Pond.com. It's time now for a Pond Further Review with your host, Josh Dorman, here on WJQS The Fan. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome in for another edition of a Pond Further Review. We're here with you 6 to 8 p.m. every Monday night here on 106.3 FM The Fan. 1400 AM The Fan or WJQSTheFan.com. Wherever you're listening, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, iHeartRadio app, we appreciate you joining us here for Upon Further Review. I am your host, Josh Dorman. I am joined by the uh, by the Honorable Bill on the uh, keyboard tonight here. How you doing, Bill? The keyboard. <laughs> the, the board. Yeah, the board. The board, yeah. not the keyboard. The board. So we're in the uh, Garner I mean, Dental Group. Probably play it. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the Garner uh, Garner Dental Group studio. Uh, Dar- Garner Dental Group is a collection of eighteen dental and orthodontic offices, conveniently located across Mississippi. Uh, they offer complimentary whitening for new hygiene patients. You can check them out at LateGarnerDentalGroup.com or call 601-271-8710. For their five metro area locations or others across the state and region. Text line 601-817-0106. That is the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi text line. It's good to be blue. Or you can give us a call. We'd love to have your participation. 601-366-1180. The Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi call line as well. So we welcome you in, and got a, we have a great uh, show in front of us. I want to remind you, uh, if you missed any of the previous episodes of the show, uh, you can now get those on uh, excuse me on podcast uh, at Apple Podcast, Spotify, and those should be available anywhere else that you get your podcasts very soon. So we'll help you go and download those podcasts. Uh, give us a review. Five-star review, review would be great, but uh, any type of review, just let us know that you're listening uh, and that you had the opportunity to download that podcast. Uh, also wanted to uh, also let you know about Twitter. Uh, you can follow us upon underscore sports. Uh, that is our show uh, Twitter feed. And uh, also you have my personal, that's at JD Coach. Uh, our poll question for t- today is going to be the all-time best NBA draft class. I watched a documentary last night called Ready or Not on the 1996 NBA draft class, and it got me to thinking about what's the all-time best NBA draft class. So we'll talk about that later in the show. Also take your calls on that. Shoot us a text or tweet us uh, what your draft class is, and we'll go through uh, some of those as well. Today is a very special day, and uh, I want to honor this very special day uh, as uh, my pop, Pops, Paul Bob is what his grandchildren call him. Uh, Robert Dorman, he turns 72 today. Uh, That is my dad, uh, one of the hardest working people I've ever met. Uh, He is now taking advantage of the senior tees on the golf course, which I think is his his favorite part of aging, Uh, and he still whips us all. So, uh, Pop, you're out there in Shreveport, Louisiana. We wish you a happy birthday. We hope it's been a great day. Uh, and just wanted to let you know, happy birthday, and we love you, Pop. Congratulations to Jones College Women's Basketball. Five straight Region 23 championships. That's five straight, folks. That is dominance. 
Uh, they will actually now go into Lubbock, where the National Junior College Athletic Association Women's Tournament is held, Division One that is, as the overall number one seed. From Ellisville, Mississippi to Lubbock, Texas, as the number one overall seed. Congratulations to Missy Bilderback and her Lady Bobcats down there from Jones College. We visited with Missy a couple shows ago, a couple weeks ago, and uh, what a terrific conversation, and she talked about her team. Uh, they ran through uh, the the Region 23 tournament at, uh, well, actually, they hosted the first game, and then they went semis and finals at, Miss, at uh, Mississippi College in Clinton, which, speaking of Mississippi College, just a terrific hire. Randy Bolden, the new men's basketball coach over there in Choctaw land, and uh, that is a terrific hire for Mississippi College. Uh, we actually had his son, Rashad, on in our maiden voyage of this show uh, a few weeks back with his head coach, Russell Marsalis. So, Randy Bolden, congratulations. Terrific hire by uh, the uh, staff there at Mississippi College. They are going to uh, really, really uh, like that hire the, the longer it goes. A great developer of talent, a great developer of young men. Uh, so, congratulations to Randy Bolden. Also, Jason Flanagan and the Holmes Community College Bulldogs won the Region 23 men's tournament and will be now moving on to the national tournament as well. So uh, congratulations to them as well. Holmes uh, Community College just up north from us here. Uh, just a tremendous job as uh, they have they have waded through uh, and, and won several of these over the last few years as well. So I uh, want to send a congratulations uh, to Holmes Community College and Jason Flanagan uh, their head coach uh, on their Region 23 win uh, as well. So just some congratulations, some shout-outs there to some folks that deserve it. Uh, just give you what's going on in the show tonight. We've got a big show for you. We've got Patrick Roby, the uh, head baseball coach at Madison Central. That is the number one ranked, consensus number one ranked team in the state, uh, with some uh, publications having them number one ranked nationally. So uh, we'll be excited to have Patrick Roby joining us uh, in the next segment. Uh, we will later on be joined uh, in the second hour by John Weiner, And John Weiner is a name you, you will know around this area with talk radio. Uh, he had his own golf show, as a matter of fact. He is now in Denver. And uh, he will be joining us to talk about all things uh, with the Masters Tournament and the things that went on there. Hideki Matsuyama is the first Japanese-born uh, player to not only win the Masters, but to lead uh, after any round of the Masters. So we'll talk about that and all things the Masters Tournament with John Wiener. And then in the second, uh, the last two segments of the second hour, we will be back with the Coach's Challenge with the judge. You won't want to miss that, his good call, bad call, uh, and uh, some topics there that we'll banter back and forth about um, as the judge joins us once again, as he does uh, every week on the show. So it's a big show. We're excited about it. And uh, don't want you to miss any of it. Just a reminder, if you need to podcast it, uh, you've missed any of our previous shows, uh, please uh, download those podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify already have those available, and they will be available on all the other uh, platforms here very soon. Uh, want to remind you about Jerry Brewer. Jerry Brewer is a trusted choice advisor with Southern Gulf States Insurance. You can contact Jerry at 601 952 3525 or at So uh, Jackson State University, Bill, they won three in a row. Now they've dropped three in a row. Three in a row. The Tigers have dropped three in a row. 
And, uh, you know, look, there's we are a culture show. It's one of the things we talked about uh, when we started the show was we wanted to talk about the importance of culture. And uh, Coach Sanders, Deion Sanders, uh, mentioned after the uh, the loss that that they had to change the culture. And he mentioned that to change the culture, you have to change the people. And I want to encourage Coach Prime and that Jackson State staff that they forgot a little step in there. And that step when you're developing culture, and this is with your business, this is with a sports team, uh, this is in any area of life. If you want to change the culture, you first have to set expectations. And sometimes setting those expectations creates a natural purge. People that don't want to buy into what you are expecting of them, where you want to take them. And the unfortunate thing is, look, that is life. Sometimes we want a lot more for other people than they are willing to get to achieve whatever it is they are looking for. Uh, We see in young people, for instance, uh, the ability to do certain things, but the work that comes with that and is associated with that sometimes is is a turnoff, and, and, and it does not uh, you know, allow that young person to get past that mentality. And so, Coach, uh, I, you know, what I would say is for Jackson State football is, number one, you're three and three. You're, you're playing now either three or four games on national television because of the spring, uh, the spring season, which was a, a tremendous uh, job by the SWAC to score that, to score that notoriety on behalf of their, their programs. But also, sometimes it takes time, and, and I and I hope that over there at Jackson State that you know we're three and three. It's not time. It's not time to abandon the ship. What it is is it's time to reiterate that your culture is going to have certain expectations. What are those expectations? We call them the non-negotiables. But every program has them, and you have to establish those first before you start to purge. Speaking of culture. We're going to talk culture. We're going to talk high school baseball. We're going to give you some unbelievable stats about this Madison Central baseball team. We're going to be joined by Patrick Roby, the head baseball coach at Madison Central High School, coming up next. Welcome back in. Upon further review, I am Josh Dorman, your host, and we are delighted to be joined in his sixth year at Madison Central head baseball coach Patrick Roby. Patrick, how you doing tonight? Doing well, Josh. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, man, listen, we're so grateful for you to take a few minutes. Uh, I know as a coach, this is a busy time of year for you. Uh, so take, thank you for taking a few minutes uh, to join us. Patrick, prior to being at Madison Central, you said you were uh, at Lafayette, correct? Correct. That's correct. I was, uh, I was at Lafayette High School for, for three seasons, and, um, and prior to that, I was at South Dakota for 10. 
South Panola. Okay, so you there's a couple South Panola guys down here with Lance Pogue being over uh, at Jackson Academy. Absolutely, um, I did work with with Pogue for a few years. He was, uh, you know, he came in on the back end after Coach Woods' first stint there, Ricky Woods and, and Coach Pogue and I. Uh, he was a really good athletic director, and I enjoyed my time working with him. That's terrific. That's terrific, Coach. You find yourself at twenty one and zero. And, and, folks, I'm going to give you a stat, and, and Coach, I'm going to ask you what's in the water over there in the jungle. 21-0, and 0, you have outscored your opponents in those 21 contests from the research that I could do, 254 to 23. Well, that, that may be true, uh, and it sounds about right. I've, I'll be honest, um, I, don't, I don't look at the stats a whole lot. I know that's cliche, and, and you hear coaches say that a lot, but it's true. I, I just know we've got a, a talented group of young men that, that really play hard. Uh, you know, I'm blessed a small part of it. Well, tell us about your culture. You know, that's one thing we like to hear about, and you and I spoke uh, off the air uh, last week briefly, but I want to hear about your culture because one of the things that intrigues me is the amount of talent you have uh, and, and your ability to keep all of those young men invested, uh, even though sometimes they may not play the role that they may want to particularly right at this moment. Uh, talk about your culture and some of your non-negotiables. Yeah, well, I, I, I love the, the whole idea of culture and building, and, and it's so important, and especially in this day and age when we've got – so many travel ball teams around every corner, and essentially, you know, you can take 10 or 11 kids and go play eight tournaments on the weekends, and everybody plays. But when you come back to Madison Central or uh, German uh, Brandon or Clinton or any of these, you know, larger high schools, and you got 25 to 30 on a roster, you only got nine spots. Um, so it's it uh, the ability of a young man to buy into the team concept is huge, and it's critical. Uh, and I think it's a, and very important, not only the player, but the, the family as well, because that dinner table talk can break a program. Um, but as far as culture, I don't use that word a whole lot because I'll say this. I, I think if a coach has to talk about culture a whole lot, they probably don't have a very good culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say this. At Madison Central, you know, this program has been winning for decades. Uh, it's expected. Uh, they were winning long before I arrived and long before these kids in our program were even born. But a part of that, um, when my feet hit the floor each morning, my first responsibility is to Savior, and my second responsibility is to my family. And then it's to uphold the foundation or the culture that was set by our alumni. You know, and again, I'm pretty good before I got here. Uh, I know it's cliche to bounce the credit off of off of me and our coaching staff, but but it's true. Um, you know, our players. You know, we don't we don't have a rule book or a policy manual, but, but we do have a standard, mm. and we ex- we expect those kids to get above that bar every day. And, and that you know, and it doesn't have a whole lot to do with with playing baseball. Yeah, and we we want our kids to strive to have a three or better, uh, be on track to graduate, master what we call the three M's. That's to manage their time, and if they manage their time, then they're doing what they're supposed to do in the classroom, the weight room, on the field, and off the field. Uh, so that routine, you know, whatever that individual routine is for practice, uh, you know, and it, you dress and get to school on time, be able to master that, and then uh, make a positive impact on the ones around you. Mm. 
And I think if you think about those three things, that kind of encompasses a lot. Um, and, you know, we, we do our best to, to hold them accountable to that, but we understand that we're dealing with teenage boys and we're not dealing with a finished product. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we just we tell them that jobs to love you and your jobs to love your teammates. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of our non-negotiables. We just want our kids to play hard with what we call AAIT, that's attitude, approach, intensity, and toughness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those four things are not always easy to get. Um, but it's just about the way you go about your business every day. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. It's it's no uh, no no uh, uh, coincidence that you guys uh, have a terrific program over there. And like you said, Coach, it's been a successful program for for quite some time. Uh, but this year has been a, a, a seems to have been just a, a completely different level uh, of dominance. And one of the things that we talked about, uh, you know, and certainly I'm sure people have asked you about the impact of COVID and uh, and how you know you've you've been able to do certain things and surely it's it's made some things differently but one thing i want to talk about specifically is uh, obviously you have a, a number of of collegiate prospects on your on your team i'm sure uh, mm-hmm. and with the implementation of the extra year at the NCAA level uh, has that had any type of negative impact on on your seniors that have aspirations to go on and play at the next level i think so um, we've got some kids that are currently committed to or signed with junior colleges that I feel like are four-year type players, but because of the log jam at that level, there's just not room for them. Uh, and it's kind of a, you know, a roll of the dice if they were to go and, and, and attempt to walk on at a at an old Miss or a state, Southern Miss, places like that, and um, certainly some good out-of-state schools. But it's kind of a risk because – we, you know, our kids, as tough as it is on them, it's hard on those college coaches too. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the end of the day, there's somebody they have to tell, hey, sorry, I just don't have room for you. Uh, and it's been tough. But I'll say this about COVID. You know, when we got shut down, we really worked hard as staff to contact with our kids, whether through a Zoom meeting, uh, a text message, uh, a FaceTime call. You know, to to just encourage them, number one, to just make sure they were okay. Mm. You know, baseball side, but let's just make sure they're okay because that's a big thing. As hard as it was on all us adults, kids need that routine. They need to be in a structured environment. And, you know, it was kind of evident when we got back in school, just as a whole student body, you could tell the impact of the kids not being in that routine. Um nine to ten months a year like they're used to but as far as our baseball guys i can tell you that the vast majority of them are the certainly the ones you see playing a lot they took that time to get stronger Mm. and get faster and just work on them you know work on their bodies and work on their strength and you know that's a credit to them and that's a credit to their families and it's also a credit to all the opportunities these kids have in our area because, you know, I understand the gyms were shut down and I understand the, the hitting facilities were, you know, the, the, the D-bats and the sports zone, just like that, were, were down for a while. But but when they opened back up, those, those, you know, those kids, and not just our kids too, I think, um, you know, a lot of the other kids from area programs took advantage of it. But I, I can just tell you there's a handful of kids in our lineup that are – 
10 to 15 pounds heavier because they really took that time when they couldn't leave their house right. to, to create a home gym with whatever they had yeah. and, and lift weights and get stronger. And, um, you know, no credit to us, but all the credits to those kids. Yeah. All right, you're coming off a sweep of Warren Central. You've got a 6A uh, conference. Uh, you're a division uh, matchup coming up this week against Clinton. Uh, right. What does that uh, what does that series look like, and uh, what do you guys have to do to keep this thing rolling? Yeah, Clinton, uh, a young, athletic, well coached team. Uh, they've got some guys on the mound that can give you some trouble if if you don't have a good approach at the plate. Uh, you know, we had a good workout today, and, and I'll tell you this: it, you know, when when your kids are playing well, you, you want to stay in that routine, keep that routine, and and, and just keep them kind of in balance and in check. But their their attitude every day has been really good, and I. You know, you, yeah, huge week for us. Huge week for us, Clinton tomorrow, Clinton Thursday, and then Friday. Uh, originally, the schedule set Saturday, but um, our school district, or our school announced prom, um, so we're not going to play on Saturday. I would probably age five years if we played on Saturday before the prom. So as, a former, out. as a former athletic director, who has uh, who has experienced those battles between prom and baseball games? I can assure you, you guys made the right call. <laughs> yeah, you don't win that. Nobody no. wins. Nobody. So we're going to get that series done this week, and you know I've got a lot of respect for Chase Stewart, the interim head coach over there, and uh, how hard his kids are playing. So we we need to play well, and um, hopefully our kids will continue what they're doing. That's, that's fantastic. Well, Coach, listen, uh, we appreciate you joining us here tonight on Upon Further Review, and we wish you and your program uh, great success and best of luck as you continue your run through this uh, unique uh, but awesome season for your program. Good luck the rest of the way. Absolutely. Thank you so much. No doubt. That was Patrick Roby, head baseball coach at Madison Central High School. Uh, just a reminder, look, they're 21-0 uh, overall, six and zero in in six A Region Four, but folks, they have outscored their opponents two hundred and fifty four to twenty three. That's a sub one ERA for the staff as a whole. Uh, so whatever they're doing over there, Coach Roby didn't want to take credit for it, uh, and certainly we want to give credit to those young men that are a part of that program, the coaches that joined Coach Roby in instructing them. Uh, but someone over in Jaguar country is certainly doing something right when it comes to that baseball program ranked number one in the state of mississippi uh ranked number one in some publications nationally as well that was patrick roby head baseball coach at madison central when we come back we're going to talk about this idea of being a multi-sport athlete versus specializing early you will not want to miss it come back for more upon further review right after this Welcome back to Upon Further Review with your host, Josh Norman, on WJQS The Fan. Welcome back in Upon Further Review. We're in the Garner Dental Studio. Garner, Garner Dental Group is a collection of 18 dental and orthodontic offices 
conveniently located, located across Mississippi. Complimentary whitening for new hygiene patients is available. Uh, check out their locations at LakeGarnerDentalGroup.com or call them at 601-271-8710. They have five metro area locations uh, as well as others across the state and region. We appreciate you joining us, whether you're joining us on 106.3 FM, The Fan, or 1400 AM, The Fan, WJQS in the Jackson metro area, or online at WJQS thefan.com. We appreciate you joining us wherever you are. Uh, you can text us, text line 601-817-0106. That's the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi text line. Or you can give us a call, 601-366-1180. I want to thank Patrick Roby, head baseball coach at Madison Central, for spending a few minutes with us here in that previous segment. And, uh, you know, I mentioned their, their closest victory, Bill. They, they beat Taylorsville on March 4th, 2-1. to one. Uh, outside of that, they've really not had anything. I mean, they're they're get, they're beating folks fifteen zero, eighteen zero. Yeah. Uh, you know, Germantown High School is a terrific baseball program, sixteen and three on the year uh, at last check, and uh, and Madison Central, uh, I think, beat them fifteen to zero. So, uh, whatever they've got rolling over there, it's they're doing a great job. And once again, we appreciate uh, Patrick Roby uh, for stopping by and fin- spending a few minutes with us. Uh, they, have, they have like eight kids that are going to be moving on to the next level, I'm sure, right? That's what I'm hearing well, anyway, at least eight. Yeah, and from what I understand, he may even have some that don't start that right. are, that are right. collegiate baseball players. and Sitting on the bench waiting to start. Boy, and you know hmm. you have a great culture because, listen, baseball in the Jackson metro area right now, you know, when you think about high schools, uh, it, it's loaded. I mean, you've got the, the, the usual suspects, mm-hmm. Madison Central, Germantown, Clinton, Brandon, Jackson Prep. Uh, Hartfield Academy, Madison Ridgeland Academy. You know, the, these are all teams. I, you know, we mentioned uh, in in the last show that the the contest between Madison Ridgeland Academy and Jackson Prep featured up to possibly a dozen Division One baseball players sharing that field. Uh, so I would certainly think Madison Central is is in the mix uh, as well to to potentially even have in the double digits. Uh, of collegiate players, and you heard you heard Coach Roby talk about. There's some that that non-COVID year probably get four-year opportunities, mm-hmm. and and uh, are having to go to the uh, junior college system, which is a terrific system. Uh, it's a great place to go showcase your ability to play the game of baseball, as well as uh, get a, a great foundation for uh, your academics. Yeah, the scouts are just licking, licking their chops out here in Mississippi right now. I, I tell you what, there there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. A lot no, of kids going to be signing in high school. They're going to try to sign them anyway. There's know, no doubt. Teams. These are they, right now. This is uh, certainly a hotbed uh, for for some baseball talent. Uh, something that just came out today. Uh, there's you know, we talked about the transfer portal last uh, last week, and we you know we 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 mentioned uh, you know we we bantered back and forth a little bit about you know is it is it a good thing? It's kind of like turning into uh, the the free agency model for the NCAA. But before I get into the specialization, uh, I just read this. There's a big time recruit out of uh, North Carolina that um, uh, I'm trying to remember the young man's name, uh, Walker Kessler. He's a seven-footer, and I guess when Roy Williams, uh, or maybe prior to him announcing his retirement, I'm not sure, but the young man decided to enter the transfer portal, and he has been a very coveted name, uh, and he has uh, committed to Auburn. So Auburn University uh, picks up a, a massive coup in getting Walker Kessler to come their way. 
Bruce Pearl and company down there. Now, listen, you're, you're talking about Nate Oates at Alabama and Bruce Pearl at Auburn. That's going to be a big-time matchup now. They are getting some uh, very, very talented young young men uh, in those programs to to play basketball. Uh, and, and, and I want to read this um, by, by Dick Vitale with regards to the, the transfer portal. And, and the transfer portal is very unique. And basically what he argues is that the transfer portal has to have uh, some type of structure to it. And, and his argument is in the transfer portal, uh, you know, you have to sit if you transfer unless, unless the coach that recruited you leaves um, or, you, you know, you have some major – uh, you know, you go there not knowing that there's going to be some rules violations and some uh, some some major issues within the program due to some NCAA rulings. Uh, and so he makes that argument on Twitter. And, and, you know, it makes a lot of sense because what we've basically got right now is 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 just a, a free agency model in the NCAA. And, and that's not sustainable. That is something that will be taken advantage of. Uh, it will be used for the wrong intentions. Uh, but where those rules lie, while still uh, understanding the value of a young person's choice, is is a unique place. And what we're doing right now is we're asking <laughs> the NCAA to legislate this when uh, they've struggled to to legisl- legislate much uh, in and of itself. So Walker Kessler going to Auburn University, uh, and uh, that's a big big get for Bruce Pearl. Uh, let's talk about specializing versus multi-sport. And this is something that's near and dear to me. Uh, and I've, I've mentioned it a lot in, in conversations with athletic directors, parents. Uh, you're out there listening. Um, you know, there's certain sports that are a lot more uh, inclined to, to ask your, your son or daughter to specialize, specifically at a young age. And, and I want to, to be clear about a couple things when it comes to specialization. And this is something we're going to talk more about with the judge on the Coach's Challenge later in the show. Uh, so please make sure you stay tuned for that. But there are a couple things with regards to uh, specialization. And, and the two primary ones to me are, 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 number one, burnout. I have watched so many young kids. And, and listen, my son right now is in fifth grade, my oldest son, and I have one in second grade. And some of his buddies in fifth grade literally travel every weekend somewhere doing something. And, and what I tell you is I know that today that seems to be uh, the rule of the day. It's, hey, we've got to do this in order to get ourselves to this particular place. But I, I, I'm telling you I've watched it over and over and over where burnout becomes a major factor because these kids have done the same thing over and over and over. They've heard the same voices over and over and over. And the benefit to removing yourself from that to playing a different sport is you get to be coached by a different coach, a different style, a different voice. Uh, you know, number two, uh, you avoid, and the second big issue for me with specialization is you res- reduce overuse injuries. Uh, overuse injuries specifically to certain sports. Let's take basketball, for example. You know, you look at young people that are in the in the ninth, 10th, 11th grade with chronic knee issues, jumper's knee, uh, patella tendonitis, whatever it may be, and the reason for that is that the same pressure on the same joints occurs over and over and over when you play that sport year round. Baseball, you know, baseball at shoulders and elbows. Uh, you know, soccer. Soccer is going to be ankles, feet. You know, it's all of these different 
uh, uh, movement patterns that put pressure on the same joints. And so I want to encourage you as parents, certainly as coaches, explore, encourage these young people out here to participate, be multi-sport athletes. 95%, 95% of high school athletes won't play collegiate sports. 99% of high school athletes won't play professional sports. So the, the likelihood is that this is an opportunity. Yes, you want to be at your best. No, you don't want to leave an opportunity to get better uh, alone. You want to take advantage of every opportunity, but to build yourself as a tremendous, better all-around athlete, it is research proves that being a multi-sport athlete is most beneficial to young people. In addition, if you go and research college coaches, male and female, they want multi-sport athletes. Why? Well, because maybe in one sport you're the star, but in another sport you have to accept a different role. They want to know when you when they get you on campus, what, how are you going to react to the fact that, that, that you're no longer going to have this specific role? For instance, you may have been the, the best pitcher in high school. Guess what? When you go to college, every pitcher there was probably their high, best their high school's best pitcher. Or you may have been the best women's soccer player on your campus. Guess what? When you go to Ole Miss or Mississippi State, Southern Miss, JUCO, whatever it is, more than likely the the young women on that soccer team were their team's best players as well. And so you're being mixed in with a group of people that all are coming from the same place that you were as far as being the best. You know, if you go uh, and you look at the the ability to adapt and, and accept a different role is a major factor in the development and growth for a young athlete. And so I encourage you, even if it doesn't produce what you believe to be this exceptional, uh, you know, environment, just having that psychological, that emotional development of taking on a different role. You know, we talked about it with Coach uh, Coach Roby about his Madison Central team. He's had to have guys that have had to take on a different role maybe than, than was ideal. But at the end of the day, it's made them better athletes and better people. So we'll talk more about specialization uh, when we come back from the break. We also, I believe, are going to have a special guest on the phone uh, to walk us through maybe just a little bit of uh, – positivity and leadership you will not want to miss that we'll be right back with more upon further review right after this welcome back to upon further review with your host josh dorman on wjqs the fan and welcome back in to Garner, Garner Dental Group. Man, I can't say that right tonight, Bill. <laughs> I am I the Just Garner Darner. The, the Garner Dental Group Studio. We are here on uh, 106.3 FM The Fan, uh, 1400 AM The Fan as well here in the Jackson area. I uh, want to remind you Doug Colson and Mark Alexander uh, have uh, their show in the mornings on 106.3. Remind us of uh, that show that's uh, 6 to 8 AM. Uh, every Monday morning, uh, every every weekday morning at, from 6 to 8 a.m. Is that correct, Bill? That is correct, and it's the Motley Crew. When they have a lot of <laughs> lot of fun. I, I'm seeing one of their uh, brackets here uh, from the NCAA tournament. We we have not forgotten about that. We are actually uh, going to spend some time on, on the Baylor win and uh, talk about that a little bit uh, as we proceed through the show. But um, right now, I believe, uh, Bill, do we have somebody on the line? Uh, yes, you do. All right, let's, let's bring, let's, who, who's a special guest? 
Hey, Daddy. Oh, man. Uh, uh, who is this? Me, Lucas. Lucas what? Oh, this is my youngest boy, Lucas. How are you tonight, buddy? Good, how are you? Man, I'm doing great. I'm better now that you called. What do you want to talk about tonight, Lucas? Um, oh, um, maybe we can talk about the coffee bean. Ah, the coffee bean. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Um, uh, if you're ever feeling in stress in a pot of boiling water, you have three choices. A carrot that will get um soft and mushy um and sad or you can be an egg that hardens up and gets angry or you can be a coffee bean that changes your environment around you. Oh man, so so basically what you're saying is if you're ever put in a boiling water, hey buddy, do you think sometimes people feel like their life is like a pot of boiling water? Yes, sir. All yeah, the time. I think so too. And 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 that adversity you're saying we can either become a carrot, which which does what in boiling water? Um gets mushy and sad and it kinda just it goes apart. Okay. And then, and then you talked about an egg, and we're in this this pot of boiling water called life, and and we become an egg. What happens to us? Um, we harden up and get angry and mad and frustrated. And then, and then the other one was a coffee bean. Now, what does a coffee bean do again in a pot of boiling water? It makes coffee from its life, and it changes the environment. It changes the environment around it, doesn't it? So that yes, pot sir. of boiling water and that coffee bean create a, a positive environment instead of becoming the carrot and the egg. Now, uh, I'm assuming that you've read a book about the coffee bean, Lucas. Yes, sir. Um, I got coffee bean for kids. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, let me ask you this. Let's just be honest. Is it always easy to be a coffee bean when life is like a pot of boiling water? No, sir. It's hard to make a decision. You normally become an egg or a carrot, but it's more difficult, but it takes less energy to become a coffee bean. That's right, because it takes less energy to love than it does to hate, doesn't it? Yes, sir. Wow, man, what a powerful message. I think there's somebody, Lucas, out there driving right now. Uh, maybe it's a friend listening online that needed to hear that about maybe their circumstances right now are difficult. And we talked about when we started this show, we wanted to be dispensers of hope and chief encouragement officers. And I think you just were somebody's chief encouragement officer, Lucas. Yes, sir. Well, buddy, listen, uh, I am proud of you. Thank you for calling in and sharing that message with our audience. I love you, man. Love you, too. I'll see you soon. 
Bye. Bye. Well, you just heard that was my eight-year-old, Lucas Dorman, that wanted to share with our audience about the coffee bean. And to give you a background on the coffee bean, the coffee bean is a book that was written by Damon West and John Gordon. John Gordon, you're probably very familiar with. He has written a number of books, including The Energy Bus, uh, just recently The Garden. Uh, he wrote Relationship Grip with his wife. Uh, he wrote, um, gosh, the, uh, the Power of a Positive Team, Power of Positive Leadership, uh, just a number of different books, The Carpenter. And, uh, and, and Damon West is, is, is really where the story of the coffee bean originates. Uh, I would encourage you to, Damon West wrote a book called The Change Agent, and just so you know, I don't know either of these gentlemen. Uh, what I do know is that sometimes we all need a little pick-me-up. And maybe tonight you were listening uh, to that segment where my 8-year-old son wanted to call and share about being a coffee bean uh, because all of our circumstances are difficult. Sometimes we all feel like we're in, the pot of, we're in a pot of boiling water. And sometimes it's hard to not become that carrot and get mushy and soft. Sometimes it's even more difficult not to get angry and harden like an egg, but instead to transform the environment around us. And so our hope with this show, our hope uh, with what we do is that somehow we're able to transform the, uh, the environment around us. And I want to thank Lucas for uh, calling in here tonight and sharing with us about the coffee bean message. You can Google the book. It's a tremendous book. It's the easiest read uh, that you'll ever find. It's a Wall Street bestseller. There are uh, roughly, I don't know, 100 pages, and it's a tiny book. It's an illustrated book, uh, and it's, again, by John Gordon and Damon West. Damon West's story is uh, just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, where he was, certainly uh, his life became like a bottle of boiling water with, with a lot of those uh, reasonings, uh, you know, due to his own own doing. Uh, but uh, certainly, he found his way out of that with a little help from a uh, from a form, from a fellow inmate in the county jail. And uh, now he is uh, he is making a, a lot of positive uh, impact on the environment around him, as he is a keynote speaker as well as John Gordon, uh, and they they do a tremendous job getting out this coffee bean message. So. Thank you, Lucas, for calling in and sharing the coffee bean message. You know, one of the goals for us with this show, yes, we want to talk about sports. Yes, we want to highlight uh, high school uh, uh, sporting achievements and, and teams and, and, uh, and, and different fun stories. And, and, yes, we want to talk about some regional and national stuff. But most importantly, uh, we, we really do want to be dispensers of hope. We really do want to be encouraging to you uh, on your Monday evenings where whether you're on your way home, uh, getting dinner ready, uh, if you're just hanging out, maybe you're still at work, working a long day, uh, maybe you go in later and you found us somehow, uh, we hope that we are a part, uh, we hope we're a coffee bean for you, that we help, we, uh, help impact your environment uh, in a positive way and that you will do the same, uh, just like my little eight-year-old son right there. Uh, let you know. And and listen, uh, while he's listening, I do want to say this too. That dude rocked his green belt test and was uh, was awarded his green belt uh, in his um, uh, training. And so uh, we, in his martial arts training uh, here that he does locally. And so Lucas, fantastic job on that. 
congratulations, uh, and thank you again for calling in with the coffee bean message. It's been a great first hour, and we've got a lot more uh, to go. We've got more specialization talk as well as multi-sport athletes. Uh, don't forget to text us your uh, your best NBA draft class. You can text us at 601-817-0106. Uh, that is on the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi uh, text line. We're going to talk about that uh, when we come back as well as Baylor winning the men's national championship and the job that Scott Drew has done uh, there at Baylor is nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, you text us your uh, your picks for the draft class. We've already gotten a few. We've got 1996. Uh, we've got a couple votes for 1984. We'll go through some of those different NBA draft classes. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. You can text us at 601-817-0106 or you can tweet us Upon, under, uh, upon underscore sports, uh, you can send us a tweet with your uh, your picks as well. We had uh, we had in here joining us in the first hour, Patrick Roby. Once again, we thank him. In the second hour, we've got John Weiner also coming up at seven fifteen. Uh, John will be here with us to talk about all of the Masters. Uh, you know, it was an interesting tournament. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I watched some of it. I didn't watch others. I really watched Sunday and hoped that Phil Mickelson was gonna make a big run. Uh, as uh, as you know, just something about when Phil and Tiger uh, are are rolling, they just bring a whole nother level uh, to those golf tournaments. And with Tiger not there, obviously Phil was the best option to do so. Uh, but uh, all in all, still a great uh, great tournament. Nothing uh, taken away from Hideki Matsuyama, the 2021 Masters champion. We'll talk about that with John Weiner, And then we've got the judge coming up with the coach's challenge with the judge and his good call, bad call later on. That's it for the first hour. It seems like it's flying by. Hope you'll stick around with us for the second hour here on Upon Further Review. Welcome back in. Upon further review, I'm your host, Josh Dorman. We are in the Garner Dental Group studios. I yeah, got, got it right. That time. That's what I'm talking One about. One in a row, baby. There we go. There we go. Uh, Darner, Garner. There, there, <laughs> well, look, it was at the Broadcaster Jinx. <laughs> Darner, Garner Dental Group, collection of 18 dental and orthodontic offices, conveniently located across Mississippi. Visit them online, LakeGarnerDentalGroup.com, or call 601 601- Two seven one eight seven one zero. They have five metro area locations and others across the state of Mississippi. Jerry Brewer, he's a trusted choice advisor with Southern Gulf States Insurance. Contact Jerry at 601-952-3525 or at southerngulfstates.com. Jerry is uh, my personal uh, insurance agent. In fact, he emailed me today, and I didn't have a chance to email him back. I've got to do that. Uh so we're now going to uh, ask you to text us your 
Uh, best NBA draft class of all time. Just to remind you, appreciate, appreciated uh, Patrick Roby joining us there in the first hour, head baseball coach at Madison Central. Uh, next segment, we're going to have John Wiener on uh, to talk about the Masters. Uh, and then the last two segments will be the Coach's Challenge uh, with the judge and good call, bad call. So uh, got a lot still in store. And uh, also a guest appearance by Lucas Dorman. And he brought us the message of the coffee bean, and we appreciate that. Um 1996 draft class. You can text us. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi text line 601-817-0106. Or you can give us, shoot us a tweet at uh, upon underscore sports and uh, at JD Coach. Either one of those uh, will work. And uh, I'll get those. Send us your um, picks for the all-time NBA best draft class. Now, I, I thought about this because last night there was a, uh, a documentary uh, called Ready or Not. And it was on the 1996 NBA draft class. And basically, you know, I started thinking, I was like, man. And, and I've got some buddies here in town, and we, we text back and forth about, about this kind of stuff all the time. And, and, uh, and, and you know, I thought, well, let's, let's see what, what everybody thinks here uh, on the classes because it, it really is unique. You know, so the 96 draft class has four Hall of Famers. Allen Iverson, who was the number one overall pick. Ray Allen, who was the number five pick that year. Uh, you had Kobe Bryant, who was number 13, and Steve Nash, who was number 15. Uh, now, in that year, you still you had two two rounds, just like we do now, whereas in previous years, we'll talk about the 1984-1970 draft classes. Uh, they actually had multiple rounds, six or seven rounds, during those uh, drafts. When you look at 1996, Allen Iverson, number one, Marcus Camby, number two, out of UMass, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Number three, Stephon Marbury, four, Ray Allen, five. It was very interesting to see the correlation there with Stephon Marbury and Ray Allen because Ray Allen had every indication that he was going to Milwaukee. And uh, and then they end up getting traded later. Antoine Walker, number six, Lorenzo Wright, seven. Kerry Kittles, uh, number eight, Samaki Walker, nine. Uh, local Mississippi State product, Eric Dampier, number 10. Todd Fuller, 11. Vitaly Potapenko, 12. And then Kobe Bryant. Now, now here's what's interesting about this. When you look at this draft class, it certainly is a very deep draft class. You do have four Hall of Famers. One of the things the document, documentary mentioned is there are 20 total NBA champions championships shared by this group. Uh, and then you had th- uh, see four uh, MVP awards, two by Steve Nash, one by Kobe Bryant, and one by Allen Iverson. And so it was a very successful uh, draft class. When you look into the later parts of the class, though, you had at 15 Steve Nash, future Hall, uh, now a current Hall of Famer, head coach at uh, at Brooklyn now. Jermaine O'Deal was a very nice player at number 17. Zadruna Sigalskis for Cleveland at number 20, very nice player. Derek Frisch, Fisher was big for the Los Angeles Lakers for a long time. He was at number 24. And then you look in the second round. Uh, you have another uh, Mississippi product out of Murrah High School, Othella Harrington. Uh, came out of Georgetown, and he was the 30th pick, first pick in the second round. Um, he had a nice NBA career. Uh, Malik Rose, who was was very good uh, for the San Antonio Spurs during some of their uh, big-time runs, they were uh, he was the 44th pick in the second round. And so that was certainly a very, very deep draft class. Now, your top end, obviously the biggest um, – conversation surrounding that draft class is going to be the fact that that Kobe Bryant drops to 13 
And, you know, the easy thing to do is is to sit here and look at the list and go, well, I mean, you know, why would you why would you pass up Kobe Bryant for such and such? Well, remember, you're looking at that with 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 the, in the rearview mirror where you already understand everything that happened at that time. Kobe Bryant was was a uh, was a young man coming out of high school. Now, Jerry West for the Lakers certainly felt like uh, Kobe Bryant was uh, was going to be a, a, a very, uh, very solid player. Um, and uh, so that was, you know, you know, there's a lot of, of, of things there. Kerry Kittles is the one that a lot of people, he went to New Jersey. He's the one that a lot of people kind of look at and go, ah, what, you know, what, what happened there? Well, you got to remember, Kerry Kittles was terrific for Villanova. Terrific athlete, shot the lights out of it. And, and he was a, he was coming out of his senior year of college, and so he was a developed, ready to go ahead and and uh, and uh, and contribute right away. So Kerry Kittles, you know, was in that position at, the, at number eight. My Dallas Mavericks. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Samaki Walker at number nine. You know, I'm I just I, I don't even know what to say about about that other than you know it was just the Mavericks of the '90s. It's the Mavericks that I grew up with, um, and and that's just part of it. You just as a Mavericks fan, you just learn to deal with that kind of stuff. So the '96 draft class was uh, was certainly up there. Now another one that's getting votes. I've had '96. Uh, I've had '94. Uh, I've I've had somebody mention 1960 as a possible another option. Uh, we've also heard from Morgie, and Morgie says, uh, "Let's see, what does Morgie say? Uh, his draft class. Oh, let's see here. He tweeted that. I think he was 94, 96, and 84 as well. So let's look at the 1984 draft class. Obviously, we know you know the the major player out of that draft class was Michael Jordan." Uh, who went third, and, and you know, obviously Portland has Portland has gotten a lot of flack uh, for the fact that they did not select Jordan there. Hakeem Olajuwon, even today, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon was so good for for Houston that uh, I, he was a consensus number one pick, um, and so you can't fault Houston. And he had an exceptional career, uh, won two uh, world championships with them. Sam Bowie at number two obviously was a fizzle at Portland. I think Portland later took another big man. Very early in the draft, um, oh shoot, uh, Greg. Uh, no, uh, maybe it was Greg something. Anyway, uh, he 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 wound up fizzling as well. Had some injuries. Number four went Sam Perkins uh, to the <clears throat> Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he had a, a decent career, but here you have Charles Barkley at number five. Uh, obviously, he had a terrific career and now is a big time broadcaster. Has the worst golf swing in America. Although, <laughs> although in the celebrity match, head. in the celebrity <laughs> match. I did see that that he's done a lot of work on that golf swing, and it was a lot 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 easier to digest. Uh, all times assist leader, uh, number sixteen of that draft, John Stockton. Uh, so that's you know uh, another deep deep class. Uh, Kevin Willis had a had a terrific uh, uh, see, had a terrific career with uh, many teams. He played into his forties. Atlanta being the primary one. Otis Thorpe, uh, another very good career uh, there as well. When you get into the second round, though, you don't you don't get the the producers like that '96 class did. So your top, and they also had three rounds. Uh, no, excuse me, had had seven rounds, uh, eight rounds, nine rounds, a, a lot of rounds in 1984. Now let's look at 1987. That's another one we've gotten some some feedback on. Top end, yeah, the the Admiral David Robbins is coming out of the United States Naval Academy. Armin Gilliam uh, from UNLV. You had Scottie Pippen at number five. Obviously, we know what he did. Uh, speaking of Scottie Pippen, I think I saw where Scottie Pippen Jr. from Vanderbilt may be uh, wading through the draft waters uh, with a chance to potentially come back. 
Uh, number 10, you had Horace Grant. He hooked up with Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan in the early 90s to win three NBA championships. Uh, one of the greatest shooters of all time, Reggie Miller, uh, was picked at number 11. You had Muggsy Bogues, uh, who was terrific on the basketball floor and terrific in Space Jam. Uh, so he was he was at number 12. Mark Jackson, a point guard, uh, really good for the New York Knicks for a long time. Uh, he was at number 18. And, uh, and then you go into the second round, Steve Alford. Uh, tremendous coach and now uh, came out of Indiana at number 26. He actually came to the Dallas Mavericks. How about that? Um, so if that was a, a solid draft class. I don't know that um, that that's one that can be discussed with uh, with the 96 or the 84. Uh, another one that got got a little bit of love here as we're looking at the Twitter and uh, and text line um, for the all the best NBA draft classes of all time. And uh, just checking the the uh, the text feed here. Um, let's see here. Now we got another vote for '96. You got Kobe, Ray Allen, uh, Steve Nash, Jermaine O'Neal, Peja, Camby, uh, Marbury. That came from my oldest son Joey. So thanks for sending that in, Joey. Uh, but very interesting. We'll go over the 1970s a little bit later in the show. Uh, but it's really some some fun stuff to look at when you're looking at those draft classes and and. You know, last night's documentary brought that up to me. Next up, we've got John Wiener coming up to talk about the Masters. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at John Wiener Show. Uh, he is a multimedia journalism, and he is also the digital anchor at KKTV11 News there in Denver, Colorado, former uh, former uh, Mississippian. And uh, so we'll look forward to talking with John Wiener right after this. Welcome back to Upon Further Review with your host, Josh Dorman, on WJQS The Fan. Welcome back to the Garner Dental Group studio here on 106.3 FM and 1400 AM The Fan. Also, welcome to everybody joining us online at www.wjqsthefan.com. We are now privileged to be uh, welcoming John Wiener to the show. John, you can follow John at, at John Wiener Show on Twitter. He's a multimedia journalist, digital anchor at KKTV 11 News, and that's in Denver, isn't it, John? We're in Colorado Springs. Colorado about Springs. An hour, about an hour south of Denver. It's nice out here, Josh. Ah, uh, man, listen, let me tell you something. The, the more that the, uh, the summer gets going, I, I bet I'll wish I was up there uh, closer to those mountains with you, man. Well, I miss you guys in Mississippi. It's a new adventure out here, but obviously always Mississippi. A lot of love. I was actually just there this past weekend. Came home to watch the matches with my dad. Oh, man. Fantastic. Now, now, did you watch it in person or on TV? No, no. We were on, we were on television. I have been able to go to Augusta a few times. I've been to three Masters. Um, so it's uh, neat to kind of have that knowledge. Uh, but it's been a long time. The guy who had our passes, who he – would give them to us has passed away and they don't oh. actually just give those passes out to anybody. So we joke, we needed to find them a wife really quick at the end of his life. So we can keep it in the family. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, listen, <laughs> I've not been, um, I, I had an opportunity, uh, just a few years ago, uh, to go to a practice round and I was going to take my dad, 
uh, but it did not work out for us to do so. And so we're we're going to wait our turn for another chance there. But uh, certainly everything on television, and I'm sure you can uh, you can reiterate that uh, from a from a personal level live, it's 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 as beautiful as it looks. Yeah, it really is. The thing I think you get with being there that you don't understand on TV, that you are more now with all of the drone shots and all the next-level technology. Golf television is really on the cutting edge in a lot of ways in terms of uh, what they do with the TV cameras and uh, the drones and the moves and the elevation. But it's the elevation, how steep those holes are, Josh. The tenth hole just plummets down the hill. One straight up the hill uh it's just so many that shot on 15 when matsuyama hit it into the water where he's standing from you're sort of looking down into an amphitheater so i think it's the elevation that you really appreciate when you're there it still doesn't quite come across on tv just how uh just how much that golf course moves you mentioned hideki matsuyama uh first japanese player uh to not only win a masters but but to lead any round after at the end of any day uh, and I heard somebody on TV mention that that win for him could be worth up to $1 billion in lifetime earnings there in his native Japan. That's how big it is over there. How, how big of a win was it for that guy and for and really you think about the country of Japan? Well, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, this is a guy who has been a, a phenom in Japan since he was four years old, five years old. And there's a great piece by Wright Thompson on ESPN that kind of recaps Hideki's win and what it meant for Japan. That was on ESPN.com this morning. I encourage everybody to check it out. But to, this expectation, you know, has been on Hideki since he was the low amateur 10 years ago, Josh, yep. at Masters in, in 2019 when he sort of burst on the scene. And he is obviously – one of the most famous people in Japan. He's an icon over there. But the weight and the pressure to understand what he was walking around with and playing with every year, you know, I think you have to understand in some ways the, the Japanese culture and this um, the expectation for excellence and this sort of point of personal embarrassment when it doesn't, you know, when you don't meet those. And, you know, an importance in golf that really goes all the way back to World War II and the, the Japanese-American conflict and the way the seeds of golf were sort of sown by Americans over there in the early 50s. So golf is the sport in Japan. Hideki was the guy in Japan for about 10 years, and to have had all those previous guys go before him who hadn't won, it did create this incredible burden. And when Hideki was on tour at the start of his career, it was sort of tiger mania, but for Hideki and the Japanese media in terms of the way that he was followed and hounded. So it was a long time coming, uh, but absolutely seismic in terms of what's been with Hideki his whole career when you talk about, you know, sort of his status in golf and what that means in Japan, no doubt. Yeah, a big-time win for him. And, and, and listen, he almost came back to the field a little bit. And, and if Chauflay doesn't drop it in the drink on 16 – uh, you know, that thing could have been a, a lot closer. Ultimately, Will Zalatoris uh, winds yeah. up, uh, you know, in second. And uh, that's a young man that's uh, that's an up-and-comer, uh, did not have a lot of uh, status or doesn't really have a home on any. He is the current points list leader for the Corn Ferry Tour. But how impressed were you with his performance for a first-time participant at the Masters? Well, Zalatoris was really impressive. I, I mean, he hits the ball. I mean, they all do, Josh. I mean, they all just pierce it. Uh, but Zalatoris, you know, Augusta is a sort of a second-shot golf course. They say, what does that mean? It means how good are you with your irons. 
he's as good as it gets with that reminds you a lot of Matsuyama the way he hits those long irons especially and you know he's a guy that when you talk with or when you see what people say about him who played with him they say look this guy is going to be an elite player but Josh I think he held on longer than most people expected that he would considering the stage and considering uh, that it was you know his his first Masters and really his first tournament of any consequence to be there. Uh, he's a world-class player. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I, I think, you know, big things to come for Will Zalatoris. Really impressive. I think surprised a lot of people how long he stayed around. Yeah, an interesting connection with the state of Mississippi for Will, and that is he is roommates with Davis Riley, which you may remember sure. that name, uh, played at Absolutely. Presbyterian Christian School, went on to play at Alabama, uh, and he sits in the four spot in points earnings uh, on the Corn Ferry. So looks to, like he'll get his uh, time coming on the PGA Tour. And those two are roommates, and they play a lot of practice rounds with Tony Romo. Uh, the story yeah. is that Tony <laughs> Romo uh, gives them pr- advice on being a professional athlete, and they give him advice on how to be a better golfer. Well, Romo's a heck of a player in his own right, man. If you put Romo out there against 99 out of 100 people in this country and walk up to a golf course, Romo would have no problem with him. He's incredible. He's got a great move, those big athletic shoulders. And, you know, Davis Riley's a kid. Even Zalatoris, I think that's one thing that's interesting. You know, he's a sandwich over 140 pounds. That's but, right. Um, gosh, does he hit the golf ball. Um, and when you see these guys in person, Zalatoris, Davis Riley, the strength in their hands and in their back and – uh, you know, yeah, Davis Riley, uh, there's been a lot of great Mississippi players come out recently, uh, Wilson Furr being another one, but certainly, you know, Riley's at the top of that list. That's what's crazy about golf, Josh, and Hideki's a good example. You know, he was the – the field is deeper and the younger players are more talented than they've ever been. And if you don't win at 24, 25 years old, all of a sudden you get to – you know, Hideki's 29, and it feels like almost his time had passed him. You know, it's, it's hard to believe he's been on tour 10 years, but that's how good these guys are, and you just have more more people to deal with all the time out there who can hit it, you know, a, a country mile and have those piercing iron shots and, you know, really just are the total package. Yeah, so talk about the uh, – and, again, we're joined by John Weiner. Uh, you know him. used to host a, a local golf show here in the Jackson Metro. Now he is in Colorado Springs, Colorado, as the digital anchor at KKTV11 uh, there in Colorado Springs. Uh, talk about that rain shower that came through mid-afternoon Saturday. Uh, it's really yeah. a struggle. In fact, Matsuyama was struggling. And uh, uh, that rain shower comes in, and it's hard to imagine that an, a one-hour rainstorm, 45 minutes, can do, but it tamed Augusta National, did it not? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Josh. And, you know, when you play a golf tournament over four days, you see it time and time again in the majors. you got to get a lot of breaks. And Matsuyama got his fair share of them. Certainly on Sunday on 13 when he hit the ball into the trees and it bounced out and, you know, when he hit that low worm burner hook right after that and it kind of came up back off of the bank. So you got to get breaks. And you got to have the weather a lot of times uh, play in your favor. And what we saw on Saturday – that was the margin in the golf tournament, right, Josh? He came back out after that hour-and-a-half rain delay and put four birdies on yep. the board, and you had that big group at minus seven. And then all of a sudden, after the rain delay, 90 minutes later, you looked, and there was Matsuyama four shots clear. And that was really the margin. Yep. That was the margin that he had on Sunday and that he never relinquished. And it goes back to what he did in that rain delay. And, 
you know, not that it wasn't fair in any way. I think that's what you learn is that everybody plays the same golf course in those conditions. You know, would people have liked to have been out there and put a lower number, you know, once that course softened up? Absolutely. But that was the key moment in the tournament. There's yeah. no doubt about it, is what Matsuyama did. He hits it stiff on 15 after the rain delay, makes eagle. He hits it stiff on 16, he makes birdie. Birdie 17, and then had this crazy up and down on 18 and finished three under in his last four holes, and that was a four-shot margin that won in the tournament. You know, a Masters without Tiger Woods is hard to imagine. Obviously, he had his, uh, his, his wreck uh, not too long ago. Um, sure. what, 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 what do you think about the status of golf with a, with a, with an unknown with Tiger's return and really at this point an, an irrelevant Phil Mickelson, uh, and those two have really carried the game of golf. Uh, where, where do you think it is? Is it, is it in a good spot as we move forward? It's a great question. It is in a great spot just because of what I talked about. There are more good, young, exciting players than there have ever been before. But I honestly think, Josh, it's going to take a shift in what we do in the public more so than what happens on the PGA Tour. Uh, What we saw with Tiger Woods is a void that will never be replaced and excitement that will just never be replicated. That's what made Tiger the transcendent athlete that he is, there's three guys who've ever been close to that. It's Dave Ruth, Muhammad Ali, and Michael Jordan. Mm. That's the level of person that we're talking about with yeah. Tiger Woods. So I think it's going to take the public to come to grips with, right? Like, that's not happening anymore. That's not Tiger and, and Red on Sundays is, you know, a thing that I think because of our nostalgia and our excitement, we want that to be. But I think it's as much right about the public coming to grips with Father Time as much as, uh, Tiger is. I think yeah. in some ways Tiger has done that before the general public has. Yeah, um, and, and the media in some ways. And so much of golf media today is here because of the impact that, that Tiger Woods had. So yeah. I do think the tour is in a great place going forward um, with guys like Bryson DeChambeau and Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy. And, um, you know, Hideki is not quite a part of that in terms of the excitement that he brings. But, you know, with John Rahm, who we saw, Xander Schauffele, but none of those guys are even close. They're not even the same stratosphere as the excitement that Tiger Woods can bring. So yeah. it's kind of a little bit of both. You know, sure. I think there will always be that void for those of us who, you know, grew up watching Tiger right. and the golf media who is so indebted to uh, Tiger. I-, I think that will always be missed. But we're going to have to sort of, I don't know what, what the analogy is, you know, sort of like moving on with yeah. your life a little bit as a golfing public we're going to have to move on with our life that doesn't include Tiger Woods. Absolutely. John, we appreciate you joining us, talking some Masters, talking some golf. Uh, be great, man. Hope all's well up there in Colorado Springs, and we'll talk soon. .com. Welcome back to Upon Further Review with your host, Josh Dorman, on WJQS The Fan. Welcome back in Upon Further Review. This is Josh Dorman. want to thank John Weiner for joining us. That was a money segment talking the Masters and all things golf. Uh, we appreciate him. Remember, you can check him out on Twitter at John Wiener Show. Uh, and uh, he's a guy that's been around the Jackson Metro area, obviously has a, has a great affinity and knowledge for the game of golf, uh, and certainly brought the fire there on that segment. Uh, we are in the Garner Dental Group studios, and we are now uh, welcoming in the judge for the Coach's Challenge with the judge. Jim Judge, how we doing this evening over in the desert? Hey, Josh, uh, we're indoors this afternoon trying to duck that 92-degree weather. 
uh, this time of the day, but a be- beautiful day in the desert. Beautiful day in the desert. We just got through Josh. Go ahead. I just wanted to in- interrupt uh, and, and state, I didn't catch all of your uh, interview with John Wiener, but just to let the, uh, the the listeners know that you and I happened to be texting Saturday afternoon uh, during the Masters, and actually I'll say it was, I believe, right after the rain delay and uh, I saw, uh, of, of course, uh, Hideki and then Zalateris, of course, uh, you know, playing it out then. And I, I wanted to say that I, I think I'm on record, I'm on your text record as stating I, I was calling uh, Hideki at that time, and you were saying that we hadn't won in three or four years. Uh, but, but let me tell you, he, he just uh, was so together and, uh, you know, mentally – uh, under control, and it was just pretty impressive. But I, I wanted to, I'm trying to claim all the credibility I can, trying to live up to that judge name. Well, well you certainly uh, did make that call. Uh, I can confirm that, uh, and it was the right call. And uh, in, 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 in maybe your good call later, maybe it's not, but uh, whatever it is, that was a great call. You know, I saw a picture um, uh, on Twitter, and what's interesting is he – Hideki Matsuyama basically stayed the night in the in the Atlanta airport, waiting on his flight to get back to Japan. Uh, and wow. He's carrying around the green jacket, uh, you know, and, and and nobody really coming up to him. I mean, can you imagine if that would have been Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, whomever, and they're in a in a in an airport? You know, number one, the guy just got the just won the Masters. Where's his private jet? Let's get a charter here. You know, I mean, you just won, <laughs> no, the- you just won two mil. I mean, let's let's fly in style on the way back. I don't know how he shook his media throng, the Japanese media, but he must have slipped out the old back door at the uh, cabin there and made his way to the airport. But it's good to say that he's uh, down to earth. And you know what I think that did the trick for him that separated him was his ability to adapt to those changing conditions. You know, it got softer for everybody, but I noticed all the other uh, contenders were missing those putts short. You know, they – they weren't able to adjust for the changing conditions, and and he just went, you know, dead for the pin, you know, full uh, aggressive on the greens, and didn't leave anything short. And man, that was impressive. Well, we're we're talking the coaches' challenge with the judge, Jim Judds. Jim Judge, he joins us every Monday night here on the show uh, as a as a major con- contributor for us here. And tonight, we're going to further our conversation uh, regarding specializing versus multi-sport athletes that we uh, discussed a little bit in the first hour uh, and teased for you as, as uh, we the, the coaches challenge now. And, and we're going to challenge this idea of specialization. And you actually have a, a unique story uh, from out there in Scottsdale regarding a, a soccer athlete, don't you, uh, there in your area? I do. And, you know, I happened to hear part of your segment last hour about it and brought out some <clears throat> Of the, of the very valid and, and uh, you know, right out, right out front so some of the uh, aspects and effects of, uh, the, you know, what, what the uh, literature calls the extreme, uh, the extreme specialized sports, you know, uh, and specialization of sports, ESS. And, uh, you know, you mentioned about the uh, overuse injury that, you know, there's uh, literature says that they have a 36% risk of course, that's factored into the various boards, but overall, highly specialized. 
young athletes under the age of 12 is kind of the way they group it, Josh, uh, that if they're spending these inordinate times playing only one sport, playing over eight months a year, those are all under the highly specialized category, you know, with the kid. And they have a 30% higher risk of overuse injury. Uh, again, you mentioned the physical fatigue, or uh, pardon me, psychological fatigue or burnout. Uh, and, you know, also one of the, uh, the, the things that you were alluding to is also that it reduces the overall motor, motor skill development. So you are only, uh, you're only learning those specialized skills. It's like going to the gym and only working your biceps, you know what I'm saying? And how out of balance things are going to be. And soon your body won't work as well as if you had, uh, you know, worked uh, all your muscle groups. Uh, you know, appropriately. Right. So I think, same, I think, same thing with, with the muscle memory and uh, with the the diversity of, of the different muscle groups. So my story was about a kid who's an all-state soccer player, really a prodigy. He's a junior this year and uh, an outstanding athlete as well as great vision and uh, great goal score and, and ability to uh, carry the ball and just – all state, no matter what level in soccer. So he comes out to the country day baseball team, which needed a few bodies. And, and uh, the AD says, "Oh yeah, you know, speed. That's his name, Speed Gregory." And uh, said, "Speed's coming out for baseball. Oh, that's great. You have another outfielder with his speed. You know, not to be funny, I, with his speed, you'll be able to cover the outfield gaps, and that's great." He said, "No, he, he's a uh, he, he's a pinch runner. He's a he's a specialty guy." He can't catch the ball, you know, and so you look at it and you say, well, I guess he's been a club soccer player since he was, you know, old enough to strap him up. And But that's just a snapshot, Josh, of one of the other impediments that uh, that occur as a result of over-specialization. Yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the only one workout, and I got to go back to that because I think I saw that guy on the beach. Uh, during spring break, the guy that only does the bicep curls. Uh, I think I saw him on the beach uh, when I was down there last spring break. But you bring up a great point. And in that scenario, you have a soccer player, uh, which we talked about uh, maybe have been last week, where soccer and baseball is really dominating youth sports. Uh, but but we, you can really fill in the blanks there because we're not trying to, uh, you know, go after one particular sport or another. The idea is to encourage uh, these young athletes to be multiple sport athletes. In that situation, you're, you're referencing a young man that had he developed the hand-eye coordination earlier that, that potentially could have had a, a tremendous impact on his baseball team, but instead, uh, because of specializing in soccer all that time, got to his junior year and really, uh, you know, didn't have the abilities needed uh, other than a pinch runner, which I'm sure will help. Uh, I, I say the same thing. You know, there's a young man, Will McGillis, that's playing baseball for the University of Southern Mississippi right now, uh, and and he was uh, a dynamic basketball player for me. Uh, and he was a tremendous baseball player. And there came a time where he really wanted to specialize in basketball. And we had to sit down and say, hey, you know, listen, this is something that could uh, eventually pay for your education. Uh, who knows? Maybe you could be a, become a professional baseball player. Uh, this was his sophomore year of college. Uh, and we had to encourage, you know, look, let's be multiple sport. Let's develop, uh, you know, all of these different muscle groups. Uh, we, it, being a multi-sport athlete just helps you become a better all-around athlete, in my opinion. Uh, what say you? 
Oh, you know, in addition to the performance on the field, Josh, it, it really has uh, to do with the development of the person, you know, and really for 99% at least, of, as you mentioned, 1% maybe go pro. So for, you know, the vast majority of the individuals, it's really about learning life skills, socialization skills, uh, and uh, even, you know, uh, the physical skills on how to handle yourself and spatial orientation, you know, not, know when not to go through that red light or you, you know you're not going to beat the train or, you know, things that could be, you know, when to cross the crosswalk or you can gauge speed. Those, those are real life, uh, you know, life skills uh, all the way from socialization to survival that are part of the purpose of sports. That's why Lions Club play fight in the Lions Club. And that's why we play games that we learn you not only social skills as humans, but also physical skills that are going to benefit us all our life. But uh, a couple of the, the things I wanted to touch on, Josh, is uh, in addition to uh, the limiting of the social. So, if, you know, when you're playing with one team all year, every year, you're you're looking at the same faces every day. Yeah. As yeah. you mentioned earlier, the same coaches. Yeah. Uh, hey, Uncle Jim, hold that thought. Uh, we're going to hold over to the next segment for more of the Coach's Challenge with the judge, and we're also going to get his good call and bad call of the week. want to remind you that Jerry Brewer is a trusted choice advisor with Southern Gulf States Insurance. Contact Jerry at 601-952-3525 or at southerngulfstates.com. Don't go anywhere. Final segment coming up next. Welcome back into the Garner, Garner Dental Group studio. I'm still over on that bill. Uh, I'm not 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 batting, not a Garner, high average on that one. Garner Dental, Garner Dental Group Garner. studios, and we welcome back in the judge on the coaches challenge. Uh, sorry to cut you off there. We had a hard break. Uh, finish your thought on the previous segment. Hey, you got you got to uh, pay those bills, Josh. That's right. Well, I was just going to end up uh, briefly by wrapping up. <clears throat> You know, uh, we're talking about all the effects on the kids and all, but uh, you know, why is this happening? You know, it's a big boom in the last 15 years, <laughs> specialization, uh, youth travel, uh, <clears throat> club, you know, youth sports. Uh, and what I, what I read on it really struck me was that, um, you know, uh, the majority of kids that have this extreme specialization uh, 56% of the cases, it was the parents mm. that uh, these surveys, these long, longitudinal surveys and studies found that the, the parents are really driving uh, these kids based on, you know, and they're putting expectations on them and maybe it's their own unfulfilled, uh, you know, promise in their sport life or whatever their dreams may be. But, but that is the case. And then the coaches aspect of it, Josh, also plays heavily into the equation of uh, perpetuating this mm-hmm. and, you know, and making it more and more. So, uh, you know, like I think you may have mentioned the coaches, you know, these private coaching, 55, 75 bucks an hour that these, uh, 
coaches, hey, yeah, your son needs more work, you know, and I, I'm the guy, and uh, and then we'll put him on my travel team, and so it's it's an industry. It's become a uh, you know actually a professionalized industry, the youth sporting uh, industry, and it's yeah. uh, it boils down to the I think the family, you know, parents uh, to become engaged. I know you, I know you coach uh, your uh, son's youth sports teams in some cases, and how much do you get an hour? <laughs> I'm losing money. Hey, listen, you're, you're earning money. It's the greatest experience oh, yeah. to have that with your kids, no doubt. you know, but you absolutely, you're not, you're not uh, taking a stipend or a check. And, and, you know, that's the way I was when I grew up playing Little League. My coach was a fireman and, uh, you know, Mr. McKay there in Jackson and, uh, uh, everybody were volunteers, you know, yeah. Little League baseball, it's not a club sport. It's, it's largely volunteer driven, you know, right. obviously they have a huge, uh, international uh, league and it takes administrating but i mean you see the coaches out there in those little league championship games these are dads and and uncles and guys that just love the game that's right that's right all right so let's move on now to uh the upon further review good call of the week with the judge what's your good call of the week this past week well you know sometimes some of the best calls we make in life are either ones that we don't make or are calls that that end up benefiting us though at the time you know like when we go through our storms in life at the time we're not so sure you know mm-hmm. choppy waters but in the end uh there's oftentimes unintended benefit you know as well as the other unintended consequences but my good call is actually the ncaa football uh this week i think i was kind of on them uh, last time around uh, with, with some of their uh, maybe antitrust and a- anti-competition issues. But uh, today it's NCAA moving their uh, their FCS and Divisions 2 and 3 football to spring football. Josh, I was not a, a fan of any spring football uh, when it was happening. Right. But what I've seen here and in the last few weeks, I know looking uh, from a local perspective for you, I've seen Jackson State football four weekends in a row on ESPN, and and now I hear today that the more more headline news that Eddie George, the great Eddie George, takes the head coaching job at Tennessee State. That's so right. I see th- I see this as a real opportunity to at least consider taking the spotlight in in spring. I'm talking about these uh, FCS schools and just potentially look at what it benefits them this year and whether there might be a cost benefit analysis to be made there i think it might be i mean again there's no other uh, game on saturday morning now i know pba the bowling and, and the cornhole too that's good yeah <laughs> the cornhole hey all right so the good call of the week goes to uh the ncaa and their handling of uh, moving football to the spring and the benefit that that's have certainly uh we've noticed that here locally with jackson state getting a lot of love nationally uh national television what about the bad call of the week upon further review what is your bad call of the week well you know again uh i have to uh call them the way i see them josh and a few weeks ago i mean i'll, I'll get on the same horse if they deserve riding you know a few weeks ago we made the bad call was the nhl official and, uh, you know, his decision to make a uh, personal-based call, basically a fraudulent call, yep. and how that affects the integrity of the game. Right. Well, this uh, this week i got to throw the flag on MLB, Major League Baseball. I think we had them last week, too. They're getting to be a frequent uh, frequent guest here on the show. That's right. But, uh, you know, this time the, the debacle and the handling of a instant replay call, I think most people 
probably pick up Braves baseball around there. And uh, that Braves-Phillies ending, uh, boy, I had to take a look at that two or three times and and still can't can't understand, you know, uh, the decision that was made there. And uh, what the larger thing is, Josh, you know, people are going to make mistakes and calls will be blown uh, with or without instant replay. But what happens is when you blow something that's so blatantly obvious to the viewer, and, and how many times does this happen when you watch a pro sporting event where the analysts, you know, we have our retired official, Steve Javi from the NBA, and this is what Steve says about the call, and then they'll come back and replay. No, 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 that was a total flag or two, or that was a, you know, right. totally the opposite of what everybody said. Right. So, I, you know, I think the fact that MLB, uh, at some point the officials on the field are enough. I understand we got instant replay, and they don't use it in all cases, but they went to the review. Uh, and then the officials, plus I think they went got one guy there uh, in the stadium that, that's with the review crew. But, but then they have to go to uh, replay center, central headquarters, central command, uh, which, by the way, all four major sports have now, Josh. All, that's right. all the decisions are made at, at CITCOM. That's right. And that's where, that's where they lose me because instead of knowing that the crew chief, Harry Brennan, or, you know, uh, Joe West or Country Joe, suddenly it becomes, uh, it's the command center in Secaucus or, you know what I'm saying, yeah. MLB and the headquarters in New York. And and suddenly we don't know who they are anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so it, it leaves out, I think, not, not only in my mind, yeah, I'm a kind of a conspiracy guy, but uh, – I don't, I don't like it, and it was, I think, again, hurting the integrity of all professional sports. Well, you will have a lot of fans around here of that bad call of the week, or as there are a lot of Braves fans here. Uh, we appreciate you. you joining us once again, uh, as you do each week. We'll look forward to talking with you again next week. Uh, this is Uncle Jim, the judge, Thanks with the Coach's me. Challenge with the judge. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me, Josh. want to remind everybody. You can download uh, all of our episodes, the first three and tonight's uh, Apple uh, podcasts. Spotify will be available on uh, all of the other podcast platforms wherever you download your podcasts uh, as we move along. Uh, so we appreciate you doing that. Give us a review, a uh, five-star review if you like the show, no stars if you don't. And uh, we appreciate all of your feedback. Once again, want to remind you uh, to follow us on Twitter, upon underscore sports on Twitter, and I am at JD Coach. Uh, and that was uh, the coach's challenge with the judge. I want to mention we didn't get a chance to talk much about it, but Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears won the national championship last Monday night. We were on the air right before that game came on, and that was uh, they were obviously the best team. There was a lot of, uh, of, of information surrounding Gonzaga, a lot of love for them, uh, but congratulations to Scott Drew. He called that about 15 years ago. And uh, you want to talk about building culture and, and uh, creating an, an environment where young people can be successful. Uh, he certainly was able to, uh, to do that there uh, in, in a place in Waco, Texas. You know, we talked about it. You know, in the national championship game, you've got two private colleges, Christian-based colleges. Uh, and, and, you know, they don't have massive national followings. Uh, and they're both in, in, in areas of the country that you're not waving your arms up and down begging to go to school. Uh, but they're two tremendous schools uh, led by two tremendous coaches in Gonzaga and Baylor. And Scott Drew called that and did a tremendous job. Those are three 
NBA prospect guards that he's got on the perimeter. I believe three soft, uh, three juniors and two seniors. Uh, one potentially was a transfer, but the rest are organic grown there through his program on the recruiting trail, uh, and he has done a fantastic job uh, down there in Waco. Uh, we're going to finish up, and I want to read a little excerpt from the Coffee Bean message uh, and and I hope that through uh, your time with us here on the show that you you are uh, able to be filled with hope, uh, to be encouraged. It's a Monday night. You got a long week ahead. Uh, you just finished up the start, but you can't you can't finish it until you start it. And so uh, you know we pray that you uh, are able to find some encouragement and hope through our show. Life is often difficult. It can be harsh, stressful, and feel like a pot of boiling water. Boy, is that true. The environments we find ourselves in can change, weaken, or harden us and test who we truly are. We can be like the carrot that weakens in the pot or like the egg that hardens. Or we can be like the coffee bean and discover the power inside us to transform our environment. So well said. That's the coffee bean book, and we hope that you will transform your environment and be a coffee bean all week for bill on the board and for we thank john wiener for joining us the judge on the coaches challenge jim judge and patrick roby from madison central high school we thank all of you for listening and we'll be back next week 6 to 8 p.m with more upon further review